0: You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. In this world of turmoil, you're struggling to find energetic balance and you panic because your spirituality is not where you desire it to be. Yet creating a powerful foundation of empowerment is what you know you can achieve. Hi, I am Martin Neal Campbell, author of the book, Receiving the Gift We Give, which is available on Amazon eBooks and my website, receivingthegiftwegive.com. I invite you to uncover your power. And greatly expand your energies by embracing your divine self.
1: Sovereign self is about individual empowerment and freedom. In exploring this sovereign self, our discussions will encompass self love, oneness, and diverse spiritual understandings, as life is a journey of expansion which never ends. Join author Martin Neil Campbell, trainer, and business facilitator Karen Murphy and spiritual archaeologist Ron Mayer as their discussions help lead their listeners into an ever-expanding journey of peace, love, joy, and freedom to become who you desire and be your Sovereign Self.
0: Welcome to Sovereign Self. I am your host, Martin Neil Campbell, and your two absolutely beautiful and fantastic and wondrous co-hosts are Ron Mayer and Karen Murphy. Say hello to everyone, guys.
2: Hello, everybody. Hi, folks.
0: (laughs) And on this program of Sovereign Self, the topic is world events and fear. There's been a lot of world events recently that have created fear. One significant change over the last half century has been the proliferation of fear. Politicians, companies, and the media have played an enormous part in this development, figuring out how to generate fear and applying that knowledge more often. Technology is, of course, a part of it. Today, a gruesome event is shown around the world, around the clock, on social media, television, and in print. We bring it with us every day on our phones. Whether a hurricane, a kidnapping, a terrorist attack, or multiple murders, 50 years ago we merely had glimpses of these things. Now we are blasted with the same horrific event over and over for days. Yet, it's interesting the United States, Canada, and Europe live in what is arguably the safest time and place in human history. Nonetheless, fear levels are excessive. To make matters worse, we are watching through media many more fearful events in a week than humanity has ever been able to see previously. Fear is so pervasive that experts have made the case we live in a generalized culture of fear. A research book by Barry Glasner underscores the fact that we often fear the wrong things, Not only that, but we drive our fears incredibly out of proportion to reality. Terrorism is a prime example. Statistics show that you have a much higher chance of being killed by lightning than by a terrorist in any of these countries. It's interesting also that at Wisconsin University, Professor Joanne Cantor has spent over a decade discovering how films can terrify us long after we've watched them. I personally recall many people who have been haunted for years by the movies The Exorcist and Psycho, where The Exorcist created an unfounded fear of demons, Psycho created new fears while having a shower. In her research, Cantor states, there are three reoccur- reoccurring themes after people watch what they regard as a particularly scary film. They are disturbing visual images, imminent threat, and a lack of control. It's interesting to note that the effects of watching an extremely shocking and scary film that people's reactions are quantitatively similar to excerpts of patients reliving their own real traumatic events. In fact, Cantor's participants were so affected by these films but many that many of them lost sleep and developed phobias long after the film was watched. This takes place because the scariest films trigger a primitive part of the brain known as the amygdala, just as traumatic events do in life. The amygdala doesn't control what we think, but causes an automatic body reaction to an event. It does so when something is threatening, whether it's actual or not. It reacts. We're emotionally triggered, and our reasoning conscious mind has a particularly tough time at that moment controlling our emotion and psychological reactions. Professor Cantor provided another good example of this. She said, for example, people who have had an adverse reaction to the movie Jaws not only find themselves scared of going into the ocean, but also find themselves afraid to go into lakes and pools, even though there was there's no possibility of finding a shark in either. But here is the curious part about all this. You may laugh at these fears created by other people, but your fears are likely created the same way. That is why Ron, Karen, and I have repeatedly stated that fear stands for false expectations appearing real. Even more interesting is the fact that the fears we produce because of the traumatic events we see in film or on the news are self-created in order to not face and deal with our own fears and emotions in our day-to-day lives. People are in denial because they are avoiding issues in their own lives. A prime example for many people is their fear of intimacy and the negative reactions to emotional closeness that have been in their subconscious minds for years. They will avoid examining them. All these other fears that we create from world events are just a stimulus bringing up our real fears and anxieties to our conscious mind. Our anxiety, lack of sleep, and poor concentration is not from these made-up fears, although we believe they are. They are because we have not handled our real fears in our own lives. We avoid the actual fears, and this creates anxiety. Unless we start to deal with our deeper emotions and feelings, which we have been avoiding, we will not be able to stop our panic attacks from coming back. This is how we can ultimately all learn how to relax. We can relax by exploring and letting out our emotions and face our real fears. Look inward and focus on your fears. That is the prime directive. The true tragedy that takes place in our lives is when we deny our unconscious emotions and materials, as they erupt when natural disasters or world events take place. If you do not deal with your fears now, you are likely to repeat those anxieties again when the next hurricane, earthquake, shooting, or terrorist attack occurs. Doing nothing, as we are now witnessing in ourselves and the world, causes our anxieties to grow much bigger. Anxiety tends to infiltrate into more and more of our lives. This means your world becomes narrower and narrower, and your joy decreases. It is time we began dealing with our emotions. And that's my introduction. So, Mm. thoughts, guys? (laughs) Emotions.
2: Karen, you want to go first? Oh, Ronnie, baby. <laughs> that was an invite,
3: that was, that was an invite, was an invite folks. This is how yeah. Ron invites me. <laughs> I love it. Actually, Martin, that was a great introduction. You touched on so many things, and I'm not even sure where to go, so I'm going to grab one. I'm going to skip the film's one for a moment, but I do want to come back to that later. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the one that you just spoke of with respect to panic attacks. Mm-hmm. With respect to I believe what you were saying was around the fact that it was because people suffer from panic attacks due to unresolved emotions so I'd like to share with our our listeners that I actually suffer and have suffered in the past with panic attacks and interesting enough, I have a someone very very close to me who also suffers from them and I was having a conversation which is not by coincidence but by design this week around them actually having a bit of a a panic attack and heart palpitations and so on and so forth and my comment was it really has nothing to do with being stressed in the moment but more about something else underlying and Martin I never thought about it in terms of Undenied emotions, but it makes so much sense to me, because I can share with our listeners that oftentimes when I've had a panic, actually every time that I've had a panic attack, which for for some people can manifest itself in many different ways, sometimes I will feel a a flushing of hotness, not to be confused with menopause. Before I would start stupid <laughs> do <books> stuff. <laughs> but also that feeling of, of almost um this lightheadedness sometimes shakiness sometimes this feeling of spinning and then the worst one which i have not had it in quite some time except for one exception would be this feeling like you just cannot control yourself and you're hyperventilating and I loved when you talked about the unhealed emotions because that's something that I work every day towards—is dealing with those unhealed emotions, those emotions that I bury under, and I do tend to bury them under. I am a culprit of that, and we all are. We all are. Absolutely, we're. And it, it, this just really resonated with me because oftentimes, as someone being afflicted with panic attacks, I often think to myself, "Well, I didn't feel stressed in the moment." Oftentimes it will come in a very calm moment, Mm. not a moment of stress, Mm -hmm. not a moment of anxiety, not a moment of fear. It comes out of what would feel like nowhere. I could be Mm. having coffee with someone, chit-chatting, laughing, and joking, and all of a sudden the room will spin. Mm. And I think, wow. Where did that come from? And more, more often than not, I put into practice a lot of the things that Ron and Martin and I have talked about with respect to deep breathing and meditation. And I will do that in an instant to to calm my, my body, mm-hmm. to, to get my body back into a place of where I'm comfortable and calm. But oftentimes I'm still left with that, why is this happening?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's an interesting thing for me to ponder. And oftentimes I I will say to myself, well, I wasn't in a moment of anxiety. However, I will, and I have over the last several years, reflected back on where was my heart, my head, my emotions during the period that led up to this. And more times than not, I will tell you there has been some sort of unresolved emotion that mm-hmm. I am not dealing with, I won't say dealing with, that I am not dealing with, that I am burying and pretending it's all okay and being laughing and joking and jovial. And At the moment, I am laughing, joking, and jovial. But there is this underlying emotion that I know I've buried. So mm-hmm. thank you, Martin, for that. That's a, that's a really cool insight for me to continue to ponder. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank, you, thank you for your example. That's a really perfect example of real life.
2: I love it. And And I want to add to that because I, too, when I was quite young, suffered from, I guess it's a form of panic attack. It was never diagnosed or anything. Whenever I had these episodes, I would never share it with anybody. I was too afraid and probably too ashamed to be able to to be um, upfront about it. But for me, it's the same thing, Karen. A lot of times what was happening immediately around me did not seem to be an issue of stress or anything. So I wasn't I wasn't feeling stressed out. But when it hit, there would be a sense of me pulling, my whole conscious awareness pulling within my body. It's like, you know those movies where you see a, somebody going down a hall and all of a sudden the hall starts to lengthen and lengthen and mm. lengthen. And, yes. and, they, and the more they try to get to the end, the further away it is. That's the type of sensation that I was feeling. Mm. And I could hear my heart pounding, I mean drumming loud in my head, and the sense of fear it was almost uncontrollable. The fear mm. was palpable, even, mm. and this would last perhaps for whole oh, about fifteen, maybe twenty seconds, okay. and then eventually it would begin to subside, but it used to terrify me as a child and i had I must have had at least a dozen of these when I was younger. Mm. And at that time, I had no concept of the denial of emotions or what emotions might have actually had to play in the, of its part in the in the whole situation. And eventually, it simply disappeared. I I haven't had a panic attack for at least thirty thirty to thirty five years now, uh-huh. and I'm not sure what it was that stopped it. Whether it was just simply. An act of sheer will on my part, because it was like there was there was a part of me eventually that became conscious during the episode,
1: mm-hmm. uh-huh. and
2: I think what I did at that point was I almost like put my foot down, my proverbial foot down, and said, "No, I will not let this happen."
1: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: once I did that, it never came back again.
3: Okay, it's just really strange. Yeah. Well, you know, Sorry. it's interesting, Ron, because you you mentioned a couple things, and that was. When you had the panic attack, you you hit it. You didn't tell anybody, right? Because that would be way too vulnerable, way, way too vulnerable. And when I think in terms of that, Martin, the whole topic tonight about world events and fear and what they personify to us and as a culture and as a community, we tend to be fairly guarded, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I can only speak for myself. And I will tell you that I too, like you, Ron, I have, I have not had any outside of one incident recently. I have mm-hmm. not had any panic attacks in goodness 20, 30 years.
2: Mm-hmm. So However, yours was also when you were a child or much younger.
3: Well, I was in my my early 20s going okay. through lots of change in my life. I remember going and, and being tested and just kind of checking out to say, hey, what's going on here? When I did express it to people close to me, some were very loving and caring and very accepting. Some were very judgmental. Mm. You're imagining it. It's all in your head. Mm. You're fine. Others were very, as I said, very comforting and let's help you through this, whatever it is. But what triggered me with what you said, Ron, is that the one I had most recently, I was actually sitting chatting with a woman who is of the medical profession and a friend of mine. And I never once let on. Mm-hmm. And I went through probably another hour and a half, very controlled. It wasn't, it wasn't like I started to hyperventilate. And I was going to pass out or anything, but I mm-hmm. was getting these emotions of you're spinning. Now you're not. And then I would do my meditational breathing, and it would pass for a couple seconds, and I'd be afraid something was really wrong. There goes back that false expectations, feeling real. And I I just kept doing this yin and yang for about a good hour, hour and a half. Mm
1: -hmm. And this is
3: probably someone I could have very easily told. However, for some reason, I felt incredibly vulnerable in that, will they think I'm not that strong? Will they think I'm not that capable? In my intellectual self, I would never think that they would think that I was less of a friend or less mm-hmm. of a person, but something inside me said, do not share this. Mm. And I waited until they left. Mm. And then I tried to continue to subside it on my own. Mm. And then I actually turned to someone who I knew, or at least I felt would just embrace it. How strong was the fear
2: In you when you were experiencing it It was for, as I said, in mind, mine was the fear was ultra, ultra terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I I can't even describe
3: just how intense the fear was. I would say back in my 20s, the the fear intensity was about 125%. Mm -hmm. Okay. This one was about 15%. However, when it persisted over a period of time, Mm -hmm. yeah, that fear, Increased mm, to the okay. point that for the first time ever, I actually thought I was having a heart attack mm-hmm. and thought I should not ignore this because there could be some signs here. So I actually went into this sort of cocoon mode where I thought I'm still okay and I could probably move through this, but what if it's something more serious? What if I'm ignoring <laughs> something that's more serious? Oh, you know how you read about women don't have that massive... Uh, and then they collapse. They have all these, like, silent yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So I let that kind of build up. And as that built up, I could not let it subside. I will tell you that I probably went about, oh, 10 hours with that. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm wondering if these intense emotions are coming forward, because when I was experiencing that fear panic, there was absolutely no thought as to what could have caused this fear. There's no thinking. It's just raw, intense emotion in the moment without any thought whatsoever. It's almost like instinctual.
3: Yeah. Yes, I agree. I agree. And it's interesting because I will, I will jump back to Martin's, and it's on the same topic, but mm-hmm. I will jump back to another part that Martin talked about in his introduction about films that terrorize us and people mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. saw Jaws and Lakes and so on and, and some of what we hear in movies. And I remember there was a TV show, and I hope I'm not doing anything wrong about TV rights and so on and so forth, but there was a TV show, and if, if I am, I am apologizing up front. That I really wanted to watch and it was about alien beings Mm. and I thought it would be more about a story about learning of alien beings and I started to watch it. They had put on several trailers. This would be probably three years ago. And several trailers were on about it, and I thought, this would be really cool. I, I want to learn about the extraterrestrial and how they may be embedded within our world and how, what can Ooh. we learn from them. And there was nothing really horrific about the movie or the show. I watched probably two or three of them, and I found my sleep patterns were crazy horrible my emotions were amok and I couldn't put it and Martin I'm not sure if you'll remember us talking Uh, about this I do yes (laughs) and this particular show there was nothing that I would say to Martin nothing wreaked havoc in the show nothing felt weird but I started watching this show and ever since then I can't sleep I'm distracted there's this really weird foreboding feeling in Mm. my gut and I said, I don't know what it is. And we got talking about it. And that, I think that's when I probably said, hey, I've watched this show. And Martin shared with me his thoughts about having watched it and mm-hmm. what he knew from other people watching it. Yeah. And I think, Martin, you said it was around the music as well. I only yeah, watched I, one of the programs. But, I watched three. Yeah, <sighs> but after watching one
0: of them, I could feel that my energies were so off. And things were just so misaligned that I never wanted to go near it again. And I knew it was from the program, but I couldn't pin down what it was they were doing that was causing that. And that then when fine. you phoned and said you watched three of them and, and you I got it worse and week. worse and worse. Yeah.
3: I think it was a week's worth. And then yeah. I talked to my cousin hmm. who had also watched it
0: and I went, oh, something's weird. Yeah, me too. Someone else watched it and didn't want to watch it again because it just set them off. And yet there was nothing in the film that was horrifying. Nope. Or anything like that. But it sent so many people off. It was fascinating. But I didn't want to watch it again. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. A suggestion of a subliminal nature happening here? Could be. It definitely caused my energy to go off more than it should have because I thought the program was actually bland.
3: Yeah. It had no (laughs) depth. There was nothing that made you think, oh, those words make me think this. Yeah. Oh, those words elicited this thought. Nothing like that. Yeah. I think it was almost like back in the day when we think about advertising and I've done a lot of studies with my role around member experience and how music can affect people and mm-hmm. I think it was the music. I, I really do. I've, I've read a lot of studies now about music in background and sounds in background that will actually elicit certain emotions from people. Mm-hmm. And there was a study, I think I'd mentioned it before, a study about, I, I was at a, and I'm going to get a little bit wrong, but you'll get the context around a store wanting to know which wines would be sold better. And in the background, they did a whole thing where they played German music and sales of German wines skyrocketed. Mm hmm. And And when asked, when people were asked about why they bought those wines, no one, absolutely no one cited the music. They cited the labels, perhaps a referral, perhaps, you know, the pictures, whatever. And then the next day, they changed up the music, and it was from German to French or French to German. It doesn't really matter. I
0: think you originally said French, yeah.
3: Yeah, so it completely switched.
2: And music, if you ever watch a movie, for instance, that has little to no music in it, it's amazing how bland it yeah. is. But the moment you put a score to a film, oh, yeah. it's, it creates ambiance, it creates everything. And in fact, these days, filmmakers, what they're doing is they're almost gearing what happens in the movie to how the music is being created.
3: Yeah. Well, it's interesting because, as both of you know, I am a bit of a music buff. However, mm-hmm. I'm very much about the lyrics. So as soon as the, uh, sorry, the lyrics and the words. So when I listen to sort of the, the scores and, and those kinds of things that say, Oh, that, that, that rhythm really gets me. I immediately have to go to the lyrics to say, do those words resonate with what I think that music is saying to me? Mm-hmm. And if they're in conflict, I will never listen to that music again. Mm-hmm. I take a totally different approach to it. So. Because I think it just really hits me, and maybe that's why that particular TV show resonated with me, because I think I, I needed to know what it really meant, and it didn't mean anything good.
0: You no, know, it was really weird. It's interesting. You both talk about having anxiety attacks when you were younger. I believe I've only ever had one in my life, 10 years ago, and it wasn't even that strong. But I find it interesting that in the reading I did, that talking about this culture of fear, that the way people are pushing fear at everyone all the time, it's actually in a lot of people masking the fears that they have that they're not dealing with because they're blaming it on these outside things. But in reality, it's because of what's already in them. It's very internal causing the problem. And Mm -hmm. I wonder if it's sort of done on purpose. So we don't clear our fears in a way, because I know a culture of fear
3: gets to control people better so that you... Here, here, Martin. I love what you just said. Here, yeah. here. You know, we have to look... We've always talked about what happens internally. That's the only thing we get to control. That's the mm-hmm. only being that we mm-hmm. are and how we get to create, right? Yeah. Yet it's so much easier to go, oh, it's this outside stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get convinced I, I, of it.
2: Yeah. Retrospect, now that I'm thinking about my, my own personal uh, panic attacks, I suspect that unrecognized guilt... Within mm. me has, has had, was very responsible, I think, in, in many ways, guilt. If you feel, if you're feeling guilty and the more you feel guilty, the more uncomfortable you feel about that and the more you want to bury those emotions. Mm. And I know as a child, I felt very guilty, especially with regards to my sexual orientation back then. Because I knew at a very early age that I was tending to be, to leaning towards being gay in my life. And there was no, there were, at that time, there was absolutely no way I could have spoken to anybody, even my closest friends about this, let alone my parents or the clergy or anyone else, because I knew ultimately they would condemn it. And I was terrified that if I could not change it, what would that mean? So I kept that very well hidden to myself. And I suspect that that guilt, not only over that, but many other things with regards to religion in general, as as in my teens, that I think that is what led to those, for me, those panic attacks that and, and that was a tremendous amount of unreleased, unexpressed, expressed emotion as a result of feeling guilty and ashamed.
0: Yeah. And they're the type of thing that people do bury and keep buried. Right. And they have to look at. Because, you know, it's interesting that world events, there's been a lot of things going on in the last two months. Shootings in Las Vegas, the multiple hurricanes, earthquakes, all these things. It's actually beginning to make people a bit terrified. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at that and going, but that doesn't make any sense to me. But when I think about it, I can understand where people are coming from. And then I look at it again, and I read all this stuff and looked at it. I thought, no, let's go back to that. It doesn't make any sense. It is truly bringing up fears and emotions you've never dealt with that are being Mm -hmm. triggered by these things. Mm -hmm. And the more I look at it, the more I look at it as the answer in that sense, because my first intuitive reaction of that doesn't make sense because I didn't understand how to deal with it. And I didn't understand how people could deal with it because this whole emotional sort of release and looking at them and dealing with and bringing them out into the light so you can be aware of them mm-hmm. is newish to people in society. Right. It certainly wasn't around much a hundred years ago. Right. And it's, it's definitely coming to the forefront now. And as I said, there was proof here in a lot of clinical professional people who were saying this that. It's really weird that we've never realized that before, but I guess everything in divine timing. Now is the time we have to begin look at, looking at that. And I hope we look at it soon, because people are getting caught up in the culture of fear. And they're mm-hmm. truly going a bit crazy yeah. over
2: focusing in the wrong direction.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's causing a lot of problems. So,
1: Well,
2: yeah, I, there's a, there's also... I mean, in some of my other blog writings, I've indicated that... Over the last 50, 60, 70 years, we've had a lot of spiritual teachings given to us in regards to addressing what I've called in past programs, the lost light. These are spiritual ideas that have been changed, the the dogmas within all religions that absolutely make no sense. These are old, ancient, judgmental patterns with regards to what spirituality is that we've been addressing over the last 60 to 70 years. And I feel that that was absolutely essential to do that first because now when, and Martin, I think you're right here, now that we're beginning to see a lot of emotional releasing, emotional challenges and and emotions in general coming up for clearing, whenever we have expressed all of those anger and all of those emotions, what we will see will be the judgment patterns behind that. And because we've done the spiritual work now for the past 50, 60, 70 years with new understandings of what spirituality is, we will look at that old judgmental thought pattern and no longer believe that it is accurate and it will be much, much easier to transmute that thought pattern because we now have the new spirituality and all the work that the spirit polarity has been doing to change all our ideas about what spirituality is, now we will have a foundation upon which to change all of these hidden judgment patterns that our repressed emotions have completely covered up. Yes, and so now we're we're seeing a lot of people expressing it. But the one thing that is unfortunate is that they're express when they're expressing it, they're not recognizing themselves as causal here. Mm-hmm. They when right. they're in the throes of feeling these emotions, and these emotions are coming up, they're feeling victimized, and they're acting out, right. and therefore they're not clearing anything. Right.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Ron. That's spot on, and I hope that our listeners are beginning to understand because we've brought it up a lot in many of the last programs that dealing with your emotions and clearing them out into the light and recognizing them for what they are and accepting them forgiving yourself and healing wanting to heal is very important i don't know ron is there anywhere people can go that will help them go through a process if they're not sure how to start or do you want to just talk about one
2: um you know, I don't know of any place. I've been doing all of this basically on my own. Right. I've been using one person's set of books in order to help me because that, as far as I can see, there are no spiritual teachings out there that truly give credence, full credence. A lot of them will casually mention the emotional body, and but none of them... Give a full understanding of what the emotional body is and just how important mm. the emotions are with regards to our four-body system. And in fact, I think I've mentioned this before, what many spiritual people will talk of mind, body, and soul, but there's never any mention of emotion mm. and divine will.
0: Fascinating that the
2: uh, professional society is ahead of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in, su- in some cases. And and I am starting to see. So when these books, is, the, the books are, uh, there are eight in total, and they were written by, and I can't for the life of me pronounce her name, C E A N N E. And her last name is DeRohan, D E capital R O A H A N. And it's the series on Lost Will, the healing of the emotional body. And it is perhaps the most stunning set of interdimensional transmissions that I've come across in a long time. Very, very, very fascinating. And those books, and you have to read them in sequence, don't think that if you jump to the second one or the third one without reading the first one that you'll get anywhere close to the, the understandings that you will need as you begin to develop the healing of the emotions as well as develop the emotional body itself. Good. So, And it, it was in actually doing the exercises in learning to express the emotions, and as I've said in, in other programs, a lot of these emotions should be dealt with in private. Don't do them in public, most people mm-hmm. will not understand what it is you're doing you could invariably do something which could cause harm and that is trigger what is called the gap and these are the the most severely repressed repressed emotions that we all have and that clearly separate divine will and divine spirit it's it's in the gap that you must be very cautious and careful with because this is where people who have tried to get into the gap, into their feelings, this is where the rage simply takes over. You can actually lose consciousness and then when you come back, it's amazing you may have killed somebody or you may have inadvertently done someone tremendous harm or, or whatever. A lot of times there is no conscious awareness in the gap. So you have to build your emotional body to the point where you can begin to deal with that. And you can always tell sometimes when something gets you really, really upset and angry, you can actually, the more intense that anger is, there's almost a point in you that recognizes, oh my God, I've got to get control of this. Because I, I, if I let this really go, there's no, te- there's no knowing what I'll do, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting close to what I call the gap and everybody has this, but because of tremendous fear patterns guilt, and complete rejection and denial of the emotional body. It's been so buried that there is no conscious contact with this area in our our subconscious um, emotional bodies at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a word of caution, do the first stuff. When emotions come up, it's always best to to deal with the little things that come up at first, Mm -hmm. and that gets you in the mode of beginning to understand that you are creating these experiences to trigger the emotional response and that you're not a victim, you're attempting to become the master here right? Right. and take ownership and responsibility for what is coming at you. Without that, you will continuously be acting out your rage and thinking, you know, I've been attacked and you will want to attack back and you will never heal what is ailing you.
0: Well, and and that brings up the good point about Public protests and when opposite sides clash, you see quite often that certain people go into that gap and drive their car into people or severely hurt another person and they don't even really know what they're doing at that time. They just go into rage. But we see this on a broader scale on certain topics. Film and world events in that if you're triggered by world events and you move into For instance, hate of all Muslims. There's probably something underlying there that you're not dealing with. Mm -hmm. The same for being triggered in fear, like the one example here about people who saw jaws and wouldn't even go in a swimming pool anymore. It shows there's a very deep underlying something that needs to be dealt with because you lose all rationality, which, as you said, you can't reason your way out of emotion because when emotion comes up, the mind is shut down. Mm -hmm. and there are triggers you can look at later if you do get triggered and can't think about it at the time you just have such a fear you're backing away from the pool or whatever that you should trigger you later realize there's something deeper there that you have to deal with and then in those moments when you go you can meditate do whatever and start working on it and looking at it and figuring out what it is so Mm -hmm. even though you can't do anything in a lot of cases during the trigger event you can always remember it and recognize that that trigger event means there is something there you need to deal with. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
2: and One thing I also want to mention here is if you're going to attempt to do this, and let's say you get triggered and you're angry, and you know here, I've got to express my anger. So you you go home, you try to reenact the situation, yes it comes up and the anger is there, and you start to express the anger like crazy, and you feel that you might have completed it, but you've only done one part next is the judgment itself that is behind that sometimes you will recognize what the judgment itself is but what also has to happen here is that there are also denied emotions regarding the judgment that also need to be expressed and released and this is where most people will fail and this is why when you're angry a lot of times you will you know you'll express and you'll you're thinking i'm i'm done expressing with that i i'm I'm okay and yet all of a sudden you get triggered over the same thing.
0: Yeah. And it's because a... you've only looked at the surface event. That's right. You haven't looked you at have the judgments connected. behind it and what created it and why you went there. That's you just right. looked at where you went and tried to deal yes. with it. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah. And the idea that I'm getting at is the anger that you're experiencing and the fear that is behind it are one and the same thing. Mm-hmm. And this is what you need to recognize. They the fear has to be connected to the emotional outburst of the anger. And this is where if you've got a gap and you don't understand that with repeated observation of it, it will start to make more sense to you. And you will get to that point where you will actually understand the connection of the fear that is behind it. Mm -hmm. And that fear needs to be expressed, uh, not just recognized in in your mind and say, oh, yes, I see what that fear is. I'm going to change. I see what that judgment pattern is. Mm -hmm. I'm going to change the judgment. There is also emotional content attached to that judgment, and that also needs to be addressed as well. If it doesn't come up, you need to start calling for it to come to you. Yes. And, uh, and the reason why a lot of times these emotions, a lot of people don't feel anything, and that that's an illusion too. Some people will think that because <laughs> they don't feel anything, that they must be healed. Don't let that fool you. No. <laughs> Just because you're not feeling anything, and uppermost you're not feeling rage, does not mean that your emotional body is healed. Right.
0: I have an example. I can't give an exact example, but I just know what happened, and I can't even remember what it is anymore. That's all right, but I was dealing with something I was angry about, and I kept getting me angry, and it always got me angry, and I began looking at it. And I thought I dealt with it, and then no, I didn't, and I began looking at it again and thought I dealt with it. It was actually, I'm pretty sure my memory is close to two years later when I finally had that aha moment of what the root was behind it all, which I wasn't looking at, and cleared it. But it took Mm -hmm. two years. (laughs) Now, I'm hoping in this energy time, it takes less time. And I feel it will for a lot of people. But I just know that don't think you're you're right. Ron's right. Don't think you're going to do it in a day. And don't Mm -hmm. think you're going to even do it in a week. Sometimes it'll take months.
2: And in my particular case for this one thing, it took two years. Oh, and there are men who go into these Gestalt therapy sessions, you know, and they scream like crazy, and they do two or three, and they think, oh, that was simply exhausting, but I know I'm healed. It's like, ah, uh, let's, let's go back and relive that. We may very well be processing these repressed emotions that have been since the creation of, of creation itself. There have been what I call emotional imprinting, which ended up being created even before there was even thought. Some of these emotional imprints are so deeply embedded that it's going to take some time to get to the root of it. And it's like an onion. You'll have to get to it layer by layer by layer by layer you might get glimpses of of a layer two layers deeper But get it fully under, to get it fully expressed and to completely understand everything, it's going to take time. You will revisit things that you thought you were healed, but there will always be a slight difference of perception, a slight difference in judgment pattern, perhaps that was never expressed before. And as I said before in other programs, expressing these emotions is the only way to bring life or vibrate some of these judgment patterns that have been calcified. They're so dense that there is no way that light can actually reach them and release them. They first have to be enlivened through the expression of your repressed emotions.
0: Yeah. Now, it's interesting. I will say that after that experience of this particular thing and clearing it out after two years, it taught me one thing. I recognized in looking back on it, That if I was honest with myself and I looked and said, is there any more anger or fear there? I knew it was there, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want to look at it. So what I try and do now is I just try and get into that set of being and sitting and meditating and going, when I think about that, is there any more layers there, any more fear? And you'll get a feeling that there's something still there. And that's when you look at it and you go, okay, I'm not, I can't let you go. Don't just let I it go. Oh, it's it. so
2: small, it'll probably disappear. No. <laughs> there you go. And Bart, Bart, yeah. get it. Get it on the head because when you start to look at these, it, it will not be through your mental body. Right. It will be through right. your feeling, what mm-hmm. you are feeling. And these feelings, mm-hmm. they, especially when they're in the gap and they're and they're in the unconscious aspects of yourself, there's no thought patterns in these. No. So it's not thought that will come to you first. It will be a slight sensation of feeling. Right. Mm-hmm. And there will be no thoughts to it. So, Mark, you were right. You need to be aware of the feelings, because there won't be any thought. You have to bring feelings. conscious awareness to, to these the thoughts, feelings. these yes. feelings. And that's the key.
0: Don't just look at the feelings and ignore them. When you have those feelings, that's when you bring your conscious thought in and go, I have to, I'm going to heal you. You mm. have to bring it in after you have the feelings. So you let the feelings out fully and only by themselves. But once you know they're there,
2: then you can begin focusing on them. But you have to and let them would- out. And a lot of these, these emotional, these lost will patterns, they don't even trust because they have never, never, never known what the light of God is all about. They've never, they've never had the light of God. No, there's no him. light of God. In so, them. and this is what <laughs> your consciousness will hope to bring these lost aspects of your, of your will, of your emotional body. Yeah. Because there's no thought there. You won't be able to cajole it with thought. It won't trust you. And in fact, there have been many attempts at trying to heal this, and we've never, and we've never managed to do it. We've never managed to heal it. So there's there's huge judgment patterns with regards to the thinking that it will never be healed. So why even try? Right. So Karen. Yes, Mark.
0: We've been rambling on for ten minutes here. Okay. Did you have any thoughts on this, sort <laughs>
3: I have no thoughts. <laughs> oh, okay. I, yeah, I doubt I, that. I, I doubt kidding. that. I've got copious amounts of thoughts. Go for it. As, as many of our listeners know, I don't think anything happens by coincidence. So I'm going to share something that will make me incredibly vulnerable, but I'm going to share it. Over the last several weeks, as many of our listeners know, I do a lot of walking meditation. And I start off each day with being thankful and, and sharing gratitude. And then all of a sudden, for the last several weeks, Something negative pops into my mind and I can't explain it. It may not be relevant to anything I'm doing or saying or being, but it's there Mm -hmm. and it was happening consistently. I would do my walking meditation and I would all of a sudden have this vision in my head. And when I say vision in my head, folks, those of you listening, it's not people bouncing around. It's just a thought that comes in and it's very negative it's very negative about an outcome of a potential something or other that hasn't even happened yet so I'm almost projecting what if what if this happens and it's always negative always for weeks now so I was doing my walking meditation again the last couple weeks and I thought okay this is getting ridiculous I always listen to my intuition and I'll tell you, my intuition was going bong, bong, bong. Listen, and I didn't know the answer, so I just asked for help. Brilliant enough. Brilliant. We're having this show this evening, and i I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed by what I'm hearing, yeah. because much of my conversation, as I do my walking meditation, as I give gratitude, and then, and I, I do the the most basic things i'm thankful for my health i'm thankful to be able to walk i'm thankful to be able to smell even though i'm sneezing because i have allergies i'm thankful to have allergies like all of those kinds of positive things and all of a sudden this negative goes. Yee. it's like hmm. and i would ignore it mm-hmm. i'm still thankful for this i'm still thankful for that <laughs> and uh yeah ron you have to laugh And this happened way too many times that finally I'm walking along, doing my walking meditation with Mocha, and I'm like, okay, seriously, stop. And my words were, God, you need to help me because I'm lost. I need to have some resolution here. Help me to understand where these thoughts are coming from. and, And moreover, how do I break through them? How do I feel the emotion that I'm Obviously shutting down. And I think, Ron, I, I often listen to you about how you've been working through healing the emotions and screaming into a pillow. And mm-hmm. I can cry. I can cry on a dime. I'm a, I'm a very emotional person, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't cry for long periods of time. So if I'm feeling really hurt and I want to heal something emotionally, you get a, <clears throat> okay, I'm done. I can't do <laughs> uh-huh. it. But if you tell me a story that emotionally just grabs at me, I can't hold the tears back. And I'm really in conflict with how I'm so good with emotion that is real, but my buried emotions are so, so very buried that even if I think of something that is really, if I actually focus on something that I feel has really, maybe I haven't resolved yet. And I think it's still coming back and it's still traumatizing me. I will actually try to envision it and get a visual on it and say, okay, Karen, let all your emotions run. You are free to scream, cry, do whatever you want. I get, <laughs> okay, get over it. I cannot move myself to that. I, I haven't gotten to that point
1: mm-hmm. where I
3: can actually sob. I can't, and yet I can cry on a dime mm-hmm. of other emotions. Mm-hmm. Keep asking. So I know I'm uh, burying. I know. I you know I'm burying have, stuff. To, to me,
2: you have simply buried it so frequently and so profoundly that it doesn't it it won't come to you. It's mm-hmm. because any time that it has in the past, you've rejected it. So yeah. it's not going to come to you. You can ask for those emotions to come to you and eventually they will. But I hear what you're saying is sometimes what emotional Outburst or response that we're attempting to perform in order to satiate yes. that negative feeling—it's not enough, and it's simply because you have buried it so deeply that it does it's does doesn't—it's not trusting you. I'm it's going yeah, to exactly. Say, I'm not. It's—it's it's basically saying I don't want to even go through the concept of hope because even when I've hoped, I've ended up finding that hope was was a a, a cruel response mm. somehow. To the healing because even hope was even being dashed
3: huh? well it's interesting because i've actually even shared this with with people mm-hmm. that have, have come to me that have actually talked to me about their similar fear mm-hmm. and I, I feel that's a blessing i i feel that's an answer to my question mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. small way and it's got me thinking even more about how i can totally express how i can't express
1: mm-hmm.
3: And it totally resonates with another person who also can't express. And she and I were talking about it. And it was like the conversation actually was talking about that. I find this really profound. And you guys love Superman movies. So Mm -hmm. this may make more sense to you guys than it does to me because I don't watch a lot of them. But we were talking about emotions and barricading them and just not being able to, like, you feel them, but you repress them. You know you're repressing them. How do you move them out? Do we feel weaker? Do we feel more vulnerable? What does that look like? And we got chatting, and something really resonated with me, and that was the Wonder Woman movie, which I still have yet to see. But after our conversation, what I heard from my friend was she said, You know, it's interesting, Karen, after having this conversation, I realized I went to the Wonder Woman movie. And she goes, there it was. It was right in front of me, and I didn't even see it. Wonder Woman got really strong and really powerful in who she was and who she could be only when she allowed her emotions to get the best of her. She had to feel really strongly emotionally. And so I want to feel that because I feel like I get so far and then I repress. It's like mm-hmm. I, I can feel vulnerable for everyone else, but I cannot feel yeah. vulnerable myself. Can I for
0: suggest myself. something? I'll, I'll ask for your input sure on you this can. suggestion. Sure you can. Sometimes when I hit that type of situation and I'm frustrated that something's not coming up and I can't access it, I right. treat it the same as I would any other emotion. I pound the pillow in anger that it's not mm-hmm. coming up. It quite often frees it. <laughs> Uh-huh. See, uh-huh. See, use, see, me, the, but, use the see, frustration around it to trigger more of you know what I mean. That's all I'm getting at.
3: So, so I love that, Martin. Here's my question: I don't actually allow any of my emotions to create that frustration outwardly. Mm. So, for me to pound a pillow mm. would feel like oh, I'm, I'm doing something very methodical. It's not emotionally like. When, He's not being when I, backed
2: by the emotion because there's no
3: yeah. emotion there. It's mm. like, okay, this would be the next best step for me to do. Feel this emotion and bang your pillow, right? And i but I'm not feeling. I I've buried some of yes. those emotions so deeply.
0: No. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that you're you're feeling frustrated about burying them and not getting to them. And right. pound out the too. pound out the frustration yes. because what that's, feel like that that be sounds real. Yeah. Yes. Okay.
2: At least you've got that little thing. Yeah, as I said in other programs, no emotion is worth ignoring. When you're recognizing you don't, you're not feeling anything. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Does it make you want to panic? It's name that feeling almost. The, yeah. As a game yeah. that you're trying to.
3: And that's to, a challenge for me, guys. That that is probably, for everybody. Yeah. I'll find that there'll be an emotion, whatever that emotion. Ha- <laughs> Joy is an easier emotion for me to deal with, but mm. even even then, if I feel joy, honest to goodness, if I feel joy, I will then try to suppress it, of for fear of being too jovial. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's oh, it's yeah. like oh,
2: or how it, much it, can feel joy with all this trauma and sadness around you?
3: What? Yeah,
2: yeah. How oh, selfish are? I mean, mm-hmm. there's, if there's any number <laughs> of thought patterns that'll come up, yeah. Yeah. and each one of those should have. An emotional attachment. Whenever you have a thought, what actually happens when you think there is all that is an electrical aspect of your spirit body, there should always be an emotional component to that that is given to the heart for the heart to be able to balance both, integrate both. We have shut down our emotional bodies that we think an awful lot but we rarely feel anything mm. because every time you have a thought and there's not an accompanying emotion that goes with it, this should indicate to everybody just how severely denied our
3: emotional bodies yeah. are. Mm. Yeah. From my perspective, I think that I'm a very emotional being as both of you know. However, I tend to be very good for the most part at burying all of my emotions. Mm. I just become very robotic.
2: Mm-hmm. And that is, that is partly in be- because spirit polarity has had a tremendous lack of understanding as to what the emotional body is and, and, and just how it needs to totally accept the emotional body. A lot of times our spirit body will say, you know, you've got to let go of things, you've got to drop it, there's no sense of going and rehashing old things. This is all a, a, a complete disciplinary attempt yeah. to at trying not to feel what our emotions are right. screaming mm-hmm. to, to get at. And so spirit has a lot to answer towards with regards to the damage done to our emotional bodies. Yeah. And this is something that they don't have a tendency to want to
3: embrace. The beauty is that I think that this time that we're in right now is the time to do it. Mm -hmm. I actually think that the way things are aligned, and and Martin, when you talked at the top of the hour about world events and fears, I believe this is all coming forth to create that Mother Earth balance, that Mm -hmm. whole opportunity for us to actually embrace all of that and not bury it under. This is a great opportunity for everyone.
0: Yeah, pushes to such well, an it, extent that we can't ignore it anymore
3: yes That's. exactly and i i see i see our planet
2: and most spiritual people will recognize this that the planet is a feminine essence in itself our planet is female so as this uh, as our planet is progressively going through the ascension process the energies that are coursing through her body right now are coursing through everybody's body mm-hmm. and what the planet is right now, we're trying to keep in sync with the planet because the planet in 2012 decided she had had enough, she was ascending. So mm. You have to keep up with the planetary changes. But the planet has a lot of damage to her. Her shields, the meridians, the 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 energy lines on the planet, many of them are still blocked, which is why we're seeing volcanoes and all of this happening on the planet itself. And to top it all off, We have a negative aspect of the human race that's (laughs) fomenting and using this to accelerate fear in people Mm -hmm. for their own nefarious purposes. So (laughs) right now, yeah, we're going through a huge, big shift. And because the planet is female, it's going to have a direct impact on the emotions. So yes, and it's an opportunity as far, and that's what Martin was getting at. It's an opportunity to be able to do some of this clearing because it's going to be coming right in your face. Yeah. Exactly. Now, yeah. one of
0: the things that can be done, even though Mother Earth is going through turmoil to get herself aligned and ex- expand, good. we mentioned it before, but it's not to be overlooked. If you're feeling too out of balance and energetically all over the place, move to grounding again. Move to grounding with Mother Earth. Yes. You yes. cannot do that enough. When you're in that state, it's good to go there. and It's and, essential,
2: Martin. Yeah, it's exactly. Essential. Yeah. You are an extension of the planet. If you're holding back energies of of healing, you're also holding back energies of healing for the planet itself. So this is one of the things I had a difficult time to do when when uh, Grandmother Perisher, my elder, would often say, if you're having emotional trauma, put your heart to the earth and give it to the earth mother. And I would think, oh, my God, she's got enough problems of her own. Why should I want to give any of my (laughs) problems? Not recognizing that I am the earth mother. Yep. I am part of her. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. It's like self healing. It's, it's all part and parcel because it's one being. Exactly. Yes. Because we're causing her disruption by not doing it. Yes. By yes. not allowing yes. that sharing or that natural flow of energy back to the earth. Now, I hate yes. to um, bring it up again, but we are at the end of the program.
0: Oh.
3: Martin, oh. stop. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I do indeed wish that all of you have an absolutely
2: fabulous week and if you're having any, anything that you'd like to share do so on our facebook page martin what's our facebook page address again facebook.com forward slash sovereign self so share what, what your thoughts are and be willing and open
3: to receive help karen be kind to yourselves folks give yourselves self-love this week
1: mm. thank you for listening to the sovereign self we will be back with another show that will celebrate the beauty and perseverance of you and your sovereign self. If you would like more information or to send questions to Martin, Karen or Ron, please go to their Facebook page, www.facebook.com forward slash sovereign self. See you next week.